You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. How are you guys today? Great. Uh, if you didn't catch when Donnie introduced me, my name is Douglas Kirsten. I am also one of the uh, youth pastors for Nexus Student Ministry. Um, always a pleasure to get the opportunity and a privilege to share God's word with you guys on a Sunday morning. If you are just joining us today, we are in the midst of a series called The Miracle of Mercy. And what we're talking about in this series is God's mercy and all the different facets and aspects of his mercy and how we can receive that and how we can and should and are called to live that out. Um, Last week, if you missed it, we talked about how God went out of his way. It wasn't convenience at all. He went out of his way to show us mercy for when we're ashamed, when we're angry, and when we're afraid. Um, And this week, we're gonna dive deeper into the the forgiveness aspect of God's mercy. So we'll be going through this for the next four weeks after this, but today we're gonna gonna dial in a little bit more on that aspect. Um, But before we get there, I wanna ask you, how many of you people, whenever you have money and you get the choice to buy something tangible or to do an experience, how many of you choose an experience? Something that creates a memory. Okay, good. Do you guys see all the people with their hands up? Buy them tickets for something for Christmas this year. They would enjoy that. So I love experiencing. I'm an avid concert goer. There's no better way for me to experience music than to see it live in concert. I just love big concerts, small concerts, all kinds of music genres. I just love experiencing live music. Uh, I'm also kind of a movie guy. I love watching movies. And when I see movies, I don't just watch them. I like to, it's a whole experience. And do you guys want me to help you for the next time you experience a movie? Is any, you, which, which one you want? Twizzlers, Sour Patch Kids, Junior Mints, Bunch of Crunch. Sour Patch. Can you catch? All right, everybody beware. All right, somebody in the middle, who wants some candy for the next movie you go see? All right, I saw your hand up back here first. Who in the back wants some candy? I, oh, you're really shy. Here, you like Bunch of Crunch? That's my favorite. What about over here on the right? Who wants some Junior Mints? Junior Mints? You do. Of course you do. Everybody loves Junior Mints. You should read the history of them on the back of the box. Fascinating. Part of the experience is the candy. So I, when I go see a movie, I love to, you know, I, I got to have my treats. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to come clean. I do not pay for it at the movie theater. No, I go to the dollar store beforehand and I put it in my pocket and I walk right in. And I'm not ashamed. Thank you for that. You just affirmed my contraband. But so that's part of the experience is, you know, I got to have my treats, got to have that. But then the experience doesn't just end in the movie. When I leave the movie, I then like, for some reason, I want to like embody whatever was happening. And I've been watching this movie series lately. I've been watching James Bond. That's why I'm dressed like this. If you were wondering, if you're new, I don't always wear a three-piece suit to church. I love James Bond, and I've just been watching all these James Bond movies, and after them, I, I'll just be sitting there at home, and I want to put a bow tie on, because he just looks so cool all the time. And then I want to like go around and like have like a gadget watch. This one only tells time. <laughs> Literally, that's all it does. It's not fancy at all. But if I had an Apple Watch, I might feel closer to James Bond. Christmas idea. 
but I, I just, I dive into the experience. Right now I'm reading uh, the Harry Potter books. And so, you know, I, I'm not trying to do magic or anything, nothing weird. But uh, my wife and I are going on vacation next week and we're taking a train ride. And I keep asking her like, hey, can I bring an owl on the train? Can I wear a robe on the train? Can I ask where platform nine and three quarters is? She's like, please don't embarrass me at the train station. So I will not be doing any of that. But the whole reason I'm talking about how I love to experience movies and, and music and books is that when it comes to who God is, the character of God, and interacting with him, it should be an experience. It should be a moment where we hear his word preached, where we're praying and we're talking to him, we're singing songs about him, and it doesn't just stay here. It should be something that does happen here, and, and we, we, we love that moment, and we enjoy it, and we embrace it, but then we also kind of take that, and it should change us. Something should be different about our demeanor, our life, our thinking, our feelings after we have an experience with God. And today, we're going to be talking about how do we experience God's mercy? What does it look like to experience God's mercy, specifically the forgiveness aspect? Um, So if you have a Bible with you or there are some in the seats in front of you underneath, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, I will have the references up on the screen, but if you want to follow along word for word, it'd be awesome if you had a Bible or a digital Bible. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, some context. Corinthians was written by Paul, who if you know anything about Paul's history, he used to be Saul. Before he had his experience with God's mercy, he was Saul. And we'll talk a little bit later about um, the mess that he was in when he was Saul. Uh, But he is writing now. He's been changed by God's mercy. He's living differently after his experience. He's writing to a church in Corinth. And this is a church that he had interacted with on his second mission trip, his second missionary journey. So these are people he knew personally. And a lot of the context of Paul's letters would often be encouragement, reminding them about things he's already taught them while in person. A lot of what he was dealing with the the Corinthian church, though, a lot of correction. This happened to be an area that was very affluent, very wealthy. They were successful with a lot of business. And so with a lot of that success had come a lot of sin and moral failure. So he's writing to them to correct them. And in this particular moment, he's trying to encourage them to to persevere. And he's trying to encourage them um, with, with the idea of God's mercy. So here we are in verse one. Paul's writing to them and he says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Skipping down to verse five. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The jars of clay is us. These fractured, broken jars of clay that are fragile, but that treasure is Jesus, and that treasure is the mercy of God. So the first step to to experiencing God's mercy is to first embrace it. And maybe that step for you is acknowledging your own need of it. None of us are sitting here. Anybody who's walking up on this platform will never claim that we are not in need of and thankful for God's mercy every day. We all need it. And so embrace it. And maybe this means you've got to break down some of your walls. And maybe some of those walls are disbelief because it all sounds like a fantasy or like a fiction tale in scripture. It doesn't all connect. It doesn't all make sense. You don't have all of the answers. You've got to break down that wall to embrace his mercy. Because God went out of his way to show you that mercy. 
Jesus coming down and taking on the body of a human man and walking the earth like he did, that, that wasn't part of the original scheme. That, that's, that's not on Jesus' way. He was in a throne. He had a crown on and he came down, put on some sandals and a robe, put a serving towel over his arm and he was washing people's feet. He was getting dirty to show us his mercy. So embrace that. Accept his forgiveness for your sins. Continuing in verse eight, um, Paul Paul encouraged them here specifically, and I I hope that this might land on some of you today. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So today, where are you feeling hard pressed? Where does it feel like the the walls are just closing in on you? You feel consumed by something and it's, it's on all sides. You can't escape it. You can't see anymore. You're losing hope. His mercy, God's grace for you ensures that you will not be crushed. Where are you feeling perplexed? Where are you feeling confused? Where do you not understand things and you can't connect the dots? God's promise is that you will not be in despair. He's got a plan for it and he's got a plan for you. Where do you feel persecuted? Where is it that you are living for your faith, you're living differently, and people are coming at you for it? You're getting flack from it at work, you're getting flack from it from neighbors or family. God promises that you are not abandoned, that he is with you in those struggles. He says, the world hated me first. They will hate you. You're choosing the hard road by choosing me, but it's the road that's worth it. He said, you will not be abandoned. And where are you feeling struck down? Where does it feel like you just can't get above water? Job problems, money problems, family problems, relationship problems. He promises you won't be destroyed. And maybe you're not feeling any of those today. Maybe today you're feeling like, I I can see, I have hope, I'm doing all right. I want to take a moment, and uh, in 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 like 30 seconds or so, I'll have everybody close their eyes, and I'm going to give just 10 seconds of silence, because I think that can be really powerful. And I want you to all think of a moment where God has been faithful at some point in your life. Because sometime you have been struck down, perplexed, you felt persecuted, you felt like you were uh, being abandoned um, and struck down and um, God pulled through because he is faithful. So let's take 10 seconds, think back to that moment, try and remember what it was and close your eyes and think of that now. And I hope thinking about that moment strengthens your faith, encourages your faith, brings you into the next level of knowing that God is not abandoning you. He will not forsake you. He has not forgotten about you. He is there and he pulls through. Embrace his mercy. Picking up in verse 10, Paul says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And what he's telling them here is once you have embraced God's mercy, once you've experienced his mercy, He's telling them to embody it. It should be revealed in your mortal body. Your life should look different as a result of accepting and embracing God's mercy. 
And this is not easy. It's not something we do on our own. God went out of his way to send us his Holy Spirit to live differently. We can live differently only by that supernatural power. If you try and go out and be righteous, you will fail and you will fail again more than you've ever failed before. God sees your righteousness because he's looking at you through Jesus. That's the only way we can attain to any of that. And this is this idea of living in light of his forgiveness. Once you have embraced his forgiveness, once you've embraced his mercy, Paul wrestled with this with, with the church in Rome whenever he wrote to them. He said, he was explaining to them that, you know, the sin came in, but, but Christ wiped it away. Jesus beat it. It is finished. And so he says, so now that we have this forgiveness of sins, he says, and I love the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message in Romans 6, verse 1. He says, so what do we do? Do we keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? Do we take advantage of his grace? Like, well, he's got enough to cover all my sins so I can just keep doing whatever I want. He says, I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? He's saying, if you've accepted God's mercy, you've accepted his forgiveness, you've claimed Jesus Christ as the Lord and savior of your life, why are you still getting mail to your old address? You've got a new citizenship. You've got a new address. You're with me now. And that doesn't mean your life's gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean just overnight you're gonna be this righteous, holy saint that's walking around and healing people on the street. But it does mean that your life should look different and people should notice a change. They should have a question in their mind. Why is he different? Why does she treat people like that? Because it's awesome. She's got so much grace and forgiveness and patience How do they talk with so much love? Why are they so sacrificial in this way and generous to their neighbors? Embody his mercy and ask for his Holy Spirit to do it. Rely fully on his power to get this done. Picking up in verse 13, Paul continues, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So he's, he's kind of hinging on some action here, some outward expression of this. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So that right there, he's encouraging them. He's saying, hey, this promise, this thing you witnessed with Jesus that he was, he was resurrected, you have a promise to resurrection too. You will not stay in this body. You will not stay on this earth. There is a promised resurrection and a renewal for you that will come to completion in that moment. For now, we just get these glimpses. We get these moments and fragments, but there's a fullness that that is to be experienced. And he says in verse 15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. More and more Thanksgiving overflowing, and this happens when we as followers of Christ embrace, embody, and then extend his mercy. God has chosen you. Despite every insecurity that you have about yourself, despite every flaw that you know about yourself, despite every sin that you can name, he has chosen you to be his hands and feet extended in this world. He has chosen you to live out his mercy, to experience it, and leave the experience and go and take that to other people. Extend his mercy for you and for others. The initial embracing of his mercy is very much me-focused, which God gave it to you. He wanted you to have it. He wants you to have it, and it's not too late to get it. You have not made too many mistakes to embrace his mercy, and he wants you to embody it and live differently. 
And he wants you to extend it because it's not just about you. It's about all the people around you. It's about the coworkers in the cubicle next to you. It's about the people you ride the bus with every morning. It's about the people you sit next to in class, the people that when you're getting your mail, they're getting their mail. So the people you see in the grocery store, extend his mercy. It's not gonna be convenient. But didn't God go out of his way to extend his mercy? So should we not also follow that model and go out of our way, walk off the beaten path? Yes, it might mean you're late for this thing to go and help this person. Yes, it means you might not have the money to buy this thing that you wanted, but you're gonna go help this person. Extend his mercy, his grace and forgiveness. All of those three pieces total up to be this experience of God's mercy. So the thing today is experience his mercy. And hopefully you can remember that those little building blocks, embrace, embody, and extend. It's not just for you. And it's a process. This is a marathon, not a sprint. The embracing may take a while. And then you're gonna go through a season of life where things are not any easier and they're harder and you slip back into all the old sins. You slip back into all the old brokenness and you need to embrace it again. He's got his arms wide open saying, you can come anytime. I'm here for you. I want you to live differently. I want you to beat this sin. I want you to overcome, but I'm here. My grace is wherever you are. It's there for you. It's a process, and we all need his power. And what I love looking at, when I read through scripture, I get to like any of the genealogies or like, you know, this person had this son, they lived for this many years. I typically breeze over them because I'm like, what does this have to do with me today? And I mostly can't pronounce any of their names. That's usually why I skip over it. But in the genealogy of Jesus, I found some new importance in this. It shows his family tree. It shows that the family tree of Jesus and some of these names stand out just a little bit more than others. And I'm I'm gonna read off a list of people in Jesus' family tree. And these are people that were part of of the genealogical restoration. God's plan came to fruition through Christ and this is his family tree. Let me share with you some of the people in this and some of my source material for this. It's mostly the Bible. But I also read a book recently called Charis by a guy named Preston Sprinkle, and he, he just outlined the genealogy of Christ and all the grace that is apparent in this. So Abraham, we know him as a man of faith. We often leave out the detail that he was born into a family that worshiped other gods. But Abraham was part of the genealogy of Jesus. Judah slept with his daughter-in-law who bore him two illegitimate sons. And one of those sons, Perez, is part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Rahab, prostitute, She's in the family tree. Ruth was a widowed immigrant and shamed because of it, but she's in the family tree. David lusts after his neighbor's wife, has sex with her, lies about it, gets her husband drunk, sends him to the front lines to be murdered to try and cover it up. He's in the family tree too. He was part of the the, the bigger plan that God said, I'm gonna choose the broken, I'm gonna choose the messed up, I'm gonna choose the sinner and the outcast, and I'm gonna send Jesus through this. Solomon acquires a ton of wealth. He keeps it for himself. He worships idols. He has a thirst for pagan women, and he's in the family tree. Rehoboam sets up cultic shrines to foreign gods where male prostitutes can have sex with other men or other women to compel foreign gods to rain down showers on their crops, and he's in the family tree. Manasseh burns his kids alive to show his zeal for a foreign god named Moloch, and then Mary got pregnant out of wedlock. She was embarrassed, and Joseph was embarrassed, But God chose every one of them to be a part of his his eventual plan of restoration through Jesus. 
They were the rejected, the outcast, the broken, and the sinful. But his marvelous and scandalous grace worked through them and eventually to the scandalous cross. And then after that cross, we've got Paul here writing. He's not in the genealogy of Christ, but what he did as Saul, his main thing, the character of his past, is he murdered Christians. He looked for those who were subscribing to the way, the new followers of Jesus who were kind of moving away from the, the Old Testament Jewish way of, uh, of believing and following God. They were following Jesus. He was murdering them. And if you look in the Acts account of Stephen being martyred, Saul is described on the sideline approving of them stoning him to death. But he experienced God's mercy. And look at the message he's bringing to these churches and the message he took, when we say extend God's mercy, you guys know David Helkin, the guy that uh, sings like a pretty elven princess or whatever over here? Sounds really good. He's from Alaska. From Oakmont, Pennsylvania to Alaska, the distance between those and Kenny Lake where he is from, Paul traveled on his missionary journeys to extend the mercy of Jesus. He traveled over 10,000 miles, which would take us from Oakmont on the ground to Kenny Lake back to Oakmont, and then halfway back to Kenny Lake. Paul thought it was that meaningful and significant that he spent the rest of his life on the move, extending God's mercy. But God may not be asking you today to extend his mercy over 10,000 miles. Maybe he is. But maybe he wants you to just walk across your property to your neighbor. Maybe he's asking you to take 10 steps to the guy whose office is next to you who just needs to know about Jesus and needs to see a life that's been changed. Maybe it's not 10,000 miles. Maybe it's just a few steps. And I'm standing here before you today also as a recipient of God's mercy and his grace. God found me and my lifestyle was characterized by sexual sin. And he called me out of that. He said, you're broken and you're messed up, but I love you and I don't see any of your brokenness. All I see is my perfect son, Jesus, because he's the one who washed you clean. It's his righteousness that I see, and I love you, and I want to do something with you. I want to do something in you, and I, I want to change the world through you. I've experienced his mercy, and I want you to experience it too. This quote from uh, a, a Bible commentary says, mercy is possible if we look beyond the decay of the outer person to the renewal of the new person in our lives and in the lives of others. The worship team can make their way back up to the front as we prepare to respond. I wanna ask you the question, where do you need his mercy to work in your life? Where do you need to experience it? In the same way that I talked about experiencing earlier where I go in and I dive all into the experience, but then I leave and I'm changed. And I wanna live differently. I wanna look differently. I wanna share with other people differently. What does it look like for you? Where do you need his mercy in your life? Maybe the mercy that you need today, you're still on step one. You haven't made it past embrace because you haven't welcomed Jesus into your heart. Today is a perfect day to do that. And if you're not ready today, maybe you just wanna to talk to God and ask him more about it, you could do it tomorrow. His mercies are readily available and new every day for you. Embrace his mercy and maybe you need to pray and ask his help he said, God, I don't know how to embrace your mercy. I've got all this stuff that I'm doing wrong. He's gonna say, stop worrying about doing anything because it is done. It is finished. Just come to me. Just say that you believe in your heart. That's how you embrace my mercy. 
Maybe you're on the embody step and you need to ask God, God, will you give me your Holy Spirit because I can't live differently. When I do what I want, I fall back and do the things that I really don't wanna do. I wanna do what you want me to do. I wanna live how you want me to live. I wanna overcome, I wanna conquer. I wanna live differently. You can ask for his Holy Spirit's help in that today. And maybe you're stuck on the extend. And you can think, you can name the people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your classroom, in your house, in your family, that you know, even though it's kind of tough to admit sometimes, you know God might have chosen you to be the one that's gonna share Jesus with them, that's gonna share grace with them. I know we can all think of somebody who just seems unlovable, unforgivable for whatever they have done. But if God had forgiven all of these people leading up to the genealogy and the birth of Christ, if he has forgiven Paul for what he had done, if he has forgiven me for what I have done, he's forgiven you for what you have done, can we not ask for his help to extend that to other people? Because your family needs it. Your neighbors need it. Oakmont needs it. Pittsburgh needs it. The world needs to experience his mercy and be changed because of it. We're gonna have some prayer partners up front um, and the, the, the reason that we do that, the reason we have people up here available to pray with you, it, it's a biblical model. The churches were often reminded, hey, join together. You can intercede on each other's behalf. And that intercession, it doesn't mean you have to go through someone else. You have direct access to your creator because of Jesus. He made the way. But when we pray together, someone maybe you have struggle finding the words. They can help. They can go there for you. They can go and talk to God on your behalf and pray with you and pray for you. So when we have prayer partners come up during worship, that's what they're there for. They're there to help you turn your, your worries into prayers and turn your celebrations into prayers of thanksgiving. So whatever you wanna pray about, related or unrelated, they will be up here. And this space we have cleared out up front is a space that we want to make available to you on a weekly basis. If you want to have a physical outward expression of an inward decision and change, sometimes falling on your knees is the best way to do that, to, to show physically your surrender, not for anybody out here and not for anybody up here. It's just a physical way to, to put a physical action to an internal feeling. So this area is here for you to come up and fall on your knees and there's tissues if you need to snot it out on the carpets. This is a place for you to do that. And if you don't feel comfortable coming forward, you can stay in your seat, you can stand, you can kneel, you can go lean against the wall, whatever you need to do to have an intimate personal conversation with Jesus and say, I need to embrace or help me embody or show me how to extend. God's available and wants to do that with you today. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship together. Jesus, we thank you that you went out of your way. You ditched your crown of gold and took on a crown of thorns. You ditched your throne and instead stooped down on one knee to wash our dirty feet. We thank you for the mercy that you showed to us. And when you climbed on to that scandalous cross, the most marvelous display of grace and mercy we've ever seen or ever known, we still today, that applies to us today. We were there with you. Our sins were there on that cross, being nailed to that cross. Jesus, you have overcome. You said it is finished. There's nothing we need to do to earn that. So today, will you help us embrace? And as we embrace, let it not stop there, Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you help us? Will you empower us? Resurrect us from our sin and help us to live differently. Help us to live more righteously. Make us more like Jesus. When we're by ourselves, make us more like Jesus. 
when we're with other people that are hard to be around. Help us to be more like Jesus. And God, we also ask for your help to open our eyes and equip us and teach us how to extend your mercy. We can look at the model of Christ. We can look at the disciples and and how they built the church and how they extended your mercy. But God, help us contextualize it for today. Empower us. Help us to shut out the noise of the world so we can hear your voice saying, that guy over there needs mercy and I've chosen you to be the one to show it to him. Or that girl over there needs to know about me and my grace and forgiveness. Go love on them. God, help us to extend. We bring all this to you, God, today, praying and hoping that this will not just be an hour-long experience in this church building, but that this will overflow into thanksgiving and glory to you outside of these walls. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.